0: The Lord be with you and with your a reading from the Holy Gospel according to st. John uh, this is one of the longest gospel passages that we have so I'd invite you to sit down and if you like close your eyes and allow it to be painted in your mind as Jesus went along he saw a man who had been blind from birth his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents for him to have been born blind Neither he nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. He was born blind so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as the day lasts, I must carry out the work of the one who sent me. The night will soon be here when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spat on the ground, made a paste with the spittle, put this over the eyes of the blind man and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, a name which means sent." So the blind man went off and washed himself and came away with his sight restored. His neighbors and people who earlier had seen him begging said, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, Yes, it is the same one. Others said, No, he only looks like him the man himself said i am the man so they said to him then how do your eyes come to be open the man called jesus he answered made a paste daubed my eyes with it and said to me go and wash at siloam so i went and when i washed i could see they asked where is he i do not know he answered they brought the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. It had been a Sabbath day when Jesus made the paste and opened the man's eyes. So when the Pharisees asked him how he had come to see, he said, he put a paste on my eyes and I washed and I can see. Then some of the Pharisees said, this man cannot be from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how could a sinner produce signs like this? And there was a disagreement among them. So they spoke to the blind man again. What have you to say about him yourself now that your eyes have been opened? He is a prophet, replied the man. However, the Jews would not believe that a man had been blind and had gained his sight without first sending for his parents and asking them, Is this man really your son who you say was born blind? If so, how is it that he is able now to see? His parents answered, We know he is our son, and we know he was born blind, but we don't know how it is that he can now see, or who opened his eyes. He is old enough. Let him speak for himself. His parents spoke like this out of fear for the Jews who had already agreed to expel from the synagogue anyone who should acknowledge Jesus as the Christ. This is why his parents said, He is old enough. Ask him. So the Jews again sent for the man and said to him, Give glory to God. For our part we know that this man is a sinner. The man answered, I don't know if he is a sinner. I only know that I was once blind and now I can see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He replied, I have told you once and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it all again? Do you want to become his disciples too? At this they hurled abuse at him. You can be his disciple, they said. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man replied, now here is an astonishing thing. He has opened my eyes and you do not know where he comes from. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but God does listen to men who are devout and do his will. Ever since the world began, it is unheard of for anyone to open the eyes of a man who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do a thing. Are you trying to teach us, they replied, and you a sinner through and through since you were born? And they drove him away jesus heard they had driven him away and when he found him he said to him do you believe in the son of man sir the man replied tell me who he is so that i may believe in him jesus said you are looking at him he is speaking to you the man said lord i believe and worshipped him jesus said it is for judgment that i have come into this world so that those without sight may see and those with sight turn blind hearing this some of the pharisees who were present said to him we are not blind surely jesus replied blind if you were you would not be guilty but since you say we see your guilt remains the gospel of the lord praise to you Lord Jesus Christ Wow there's a lot in that story hey at the very opening of that passage an ancient question is tabled it's this question of suffering and justice someone's blind he's been born that way such a thing could only result from sin it's a punishment it's got to be so who was it him or his parents that's the question that's the wrestling that we have with the problem of evil in the world and Jesus gives an unambiguous answer he says your very premise is wrong start somewhere else your premise is wrong neither he nor his parents sinned but then Jesus gives a difficult teaching and it really is a challenge for us as people of faith this man was born this way he says so that the works of god might be displayed in him that's a difficult message because we take that and we infer it along every instance of innocent suffering we see in the world and we see it everywhere just think of uh people you know and love who are innocent they're good pure uh well-meaning people and you know, one day there'll be a car crash and their youngest child is killed. Or, you know, the wife somehow has this horrible lung disease that, that runs her ragged. Or there's a flood and their home is re- destroyed, you know, they've got nothing left. Or, you know, in some little unknown village, children are kidnapped and one's made a child soldier and the other one's trafficked across the world. This is like real stuff in the world and the Pharisees would dare to ask hey which one sinned <laughs> you know that child soldier which what did he do wrong what did he do wrong this is a broken world and God is here in the brokenness but I want to say this and I don't want to lecture too much I'd love this to turn into a, a discussion but philosophers have this thing that they call the problem of evil that's that's the typical phrase for it and it's it's usually articulated this way if God is all-powerful and all-knowing and all good then certainly he'd eradicate suffering from the universe right Uh, he'd know about it he'd be powerful enough to do it and he's good so he'd want to do it but there's evil everywhere so the atheist says there mustn't be a God or It's a God who's not all-knowing, or not all-powerful, or not all-concerned with us. And so why worship him? He doesn't even care. That's a pretty good argument. Like, that's a pretty sound, logical argument from the atheists. In fact, it's probably the best argument they have from that position. The problem of evil plagues the human mind. It's hard to reconcile, isn't it? For this i think it's worth turning to one of the great champions of our faith thomas aquinas thomas wrote the summa and gives us a wonderful engagement with many many questions some of which concern this problem so thomas says this first he says suffering is not actually a thing evil is not actually a thing it's a non-thing just like darkness or the cold What is darkness? Well, it's the absence of light. You can create light, but you can't actually create darkness. You just take light away, and what you have left is dark. So dark is not actually a positive thing. It's the lack of something else. What's cold? It's the absence of heat. You can create heat, or you can wait for something to cool down. It loses the the quality of heat, and what's left is cold. So you can't really create cold even though we have refrigerators and fridges and things nowadays um, cold is the absence of heat likewise Thomas would say that suffering and evil is not really a thing you know it's not you can't create it it's actually the lack of something else it's the lack of peace the lack of health the lack of integrity of being something's missing and and what you have in that gap is suffering this kind of like innate knowledge that something should be there that's not there and it hurts well the whole world is riddled with this kind of gap because the fact is we're not in perfect lockstep relationship with our god to some degree and at different times and in different ways god appears to us like a stranger and in that gap (coughs) Gosh, there's a world of hurt being born. Suffering, we're departing a little bit from Thomas and I'm going to John Paul II, but suffering doesn't disappear on its own. You know, you can't just leave it in the corner and hope it'll be gone tomorrow. No, it's there. <laughs> suffering has to be done away with. You have to chew it up, so to speak. Where does suffering become undone? In the human flesh. We take it into our person. We suffer is and um, we're purified to some degree but also the suffering itself is done away with that's the only way to do away with suffering you have to weather it you have to let it run its course returning to thomas thomas talks about the natural world right and he says this there's kinds of evils out there but they're natural evils like when a lion eats a gazelle um that's a natural evil it's not offensive it's like yeah lions do that they're hunters it's not like it's done an immoral act by doing that right but on the contrary if we see someone driving recklessly and they're just collecting innocent bystanders that does horrify our conscience because we think that's not natural that's unnatural it's improper and it's offensive and it's wrong he's a rational being he ought to he ought to do better than that so when we get to evil in the human experience away from animals and stuff we get to evil in the human experience Thomas says we have two kinds of categories of evil one is what he calls poena P O E N A it's where we get the words penalty or punishment or pain or penance like lent a time of intentional suffering you know Um, not because suffering is good but because we're doing away with it in some way and then the other kind is called culpa. Think of the word culpable, you know. If I am culpable for a crime, it's because <laughs> I'm responsible, I'm punishable, I'm, I, I, I should not have done it and I chose to do it. These are two different sufferings. Let's just draw a, a scenario to get a grip on how they interplay. So we've got Bobby and Bobby steals Freddy's car. No, not Freddy, sorry. Um, uh, Jimmy. Is there a Jimmy here? <laughs> is there? No, we're good. Bobby, I just don't want Freddy to feel like his cars. Your car's safe, Fred. Okay. Um, Bobby steals Jimmy's car. Okay. That's culpa, as far as Bobby's concerned, because he's choosing something wrong. He's like defying his own sense of reason. He's doing what he knows is wrong. He's taking Jimmy's car. That's culpa. Suddenly, there's suffering in the world. Evil in the world. On Jimmy's side, it's not culpa. For Jimmy, it's it's actually poena, because Jimmy's innocent, and if Jimmy can basically forgive Bobby uh, and let justice run its course, then Jimmy's a good. Jimmy's grown out of it, even though he didn't ask for that. Anyway, Bobby now has to be in prison because he stole a car. Okay, you don't just get away with it. Now Bobby is undergoing not culpa. But buena. one suffering leads to another one was evil and it made Bobby less of a person kind of like ruined his integrity pushed him in the direction of decay made him head towards the, the bad away from the good and so a different kind of suffering is then given to him he's in a prison cell no one wants to be there and that suffering draws him back to integrity It reforms and repairs him and some of the damage he's caused. No one asks for puena, but we get it. Uh, Certainly no one asks for culpa, but unfortunately that's out there as well. Lastly, with regard to these sufferings, where does God's will come in? You know, what does God think of all of it? Why doesn't God just stop it? God has, we might say, an active and a permissive will, right? Just like any parent. What's a parent's desires for their children? I hope they'd grow up well. I hope they'd be well-nourished. I hope they'd be safe. I hope they'd learn well in school. They'd grow up to be upstanding people. That's the active will. That's what you, you know, you put things in place to make that happen. You're very intentional about it. You don't leave it up to chance. But a parent also has a permissive will oh yeah, I know Susie's sort of sneaking out at 10.30 p.m. to see her friends and I could put a lock on the window and I could tell her I know, but I'm I'm just just watching. You know, she's safe, I know she's okay, her friends aren't too bad. And um, who knows, maybe on one of those outings, provided she's safe, she'll learn some very important life lessons. So I'm gonna sort of play dumb, even though I'm not dumb. I know my child is sneaking out well god has a permissive will his active will is good always there's full stop but god's permissive will allows for culpa and puena, and the, and the and the rippling of them both god sees things going wrong he knows them through and through and he says that's okay i can still work that into my providence one theologian said, God's like the master tennis player. He can return any shot, even if it's even if it's just pathetic. He can keep the game going. He can keep the game going. Um, no one on earth, and even the whole of the human family rallied against God, can thwart God's providence. Because one is infinitely stronger than the other. Light is stronger than dark, because light's actually something, and dark is nothing. Heat is stronger than cold, because heat is actually something... Cold is not anything, right? God is something. And so we're headed to God. We're not headed into no- nowhere and no one. I guess I'll finish here. What are we to do now on Joy Sunday, Letare Sunday, talking all about suffering? Well, for us, I think it's an invitation to open our eyes to see this great world of suffering all around us from the greatest to the smallest, from the most obvious and in our face. You know, we're, we're hearing all about, obviously, this, this tragedy in Ukraine and, and in that direction of, of the world. But I mean, right next door, there's wars. We hold that in our gaze. We let it be puena. We take it into ourselves. We concern ourselves with it. We receive it. We tenderly cradle it walk with it faithfully all the way through that's a hard call but even Jesus had his Simon right and we pray obviously and our prayer is not just thoughts and words but it's actions our prayer eventually is blood shed and lastly we endure hear these words from st. Paul the curious words he says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God but not only that we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance endurance produces character and character produces hope and our hope will not betray us for the reality of the world in all its harshness if we have real faith not silly airy fairy faith real faith real hope, real love, stuff that actually endures the, the hardship of life. Faith, hope, and love will outlast suffering, pain, evil, all of culpa, all of puena, and all that will be left is faith, hope, and love, and all that's then, then needed is love. That's all that's left. so let's endure that the works of God might be displayed in our lives